What is going on, guys? And thank you for tuning into another episode of the Everyday Growth Podcast with your host, me, Anthony J. Here we search out individuals who have had growth in one way or another during their lifetime. My next guest is definitely no stranger to growth. Starting up his first non-for-profit back in 2012 when he was only a sophomore in high school. Unreal, man. The company Forever You was started for empowering the youth to overcome adversity by offering personal development camps, retreats, and after-school programs that equip them to face life's greatest challenges and obstacles. The sole purpose is to provide hope and support to struggling youth, ensuring that no one will walk alone. In all honesty, I couldn't be more proud of this young man and all his accomplishments thus far. Without further ado, I give to you Ryan Heslau. Welcome to the show, my man. How the hell are you? I'm doing incredible, man. Super excited to be here, uh, to be part of what you're doing. It's absolutely wonderful. And uh, yeah, just super stoked, man. Dude, so I'm super intrigued and we've gotten together a couple of times over some beers and we've talked some stuff and mm-hmm. really just got to know you just a couple months ago. I've known of you for quite some time because of my girlfriend, Kieran, uh, knew about your mm-hmm. movement and what you've been doing. I'm super intrigued because of the, this one and only reason. And it is definitely because you are doing something where you're putting everybody in front of you, before you, and in every way, shape, or form in your life. Where did that come from, dude? Give mm-hmm. us a little insight on who you are as a person. How the hell did that come about? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, um, today, you know, I can start with this and Forever You, uh, which is an organization I, I started again back when I was about 16 in high school. Um, today, I serve as the president and executive director. Um, today, we're a youth development organization that empowers youth to overcome adversity through personal development programs. And uh, a lot of this has taken a long time to get to, you know, this place that we're at today. And, um, you know, for anyone that's trying to start a company or an organization or just anything, um, and you know this more than I do, you know, execution is everything. And so it's important to, you know, to continue to bust your butt off and continue to, you know, grind and push and move, um, but also to be patient you know, and to really seek that out um, because, you know, we have such a wonderful place of clarity right now, or we're in, we're in a wonderful place of clarity right now, but it's taken a, taken a long time to get to where we are. Um, and so we can pedal back to where this all began and how I got to where I am today. Um, and so when I actually transitioned to high school, um, I, I went through this mindset or developed this mindset that a lot of people can relate to. And it's, uh, having the fear of rejection and desire for acceptance. And as a result of this, it really be, uh, pushed me to become someone I was just simply not supposed to be. And I got in, into a lot of the wrong crowds and just, um, became someone that again, I, I just knew that I could become better. I knew that I could be better. And I realized that I was just not being the person that I really felt I was called to be or intended to be. And so, um, luckily, you know, I, I was able to realize this at a young age of understanding the importance of the environments we put ourselves in and the people we surround ourselves with. Um, and so I started to make adjustments, in my overall lifestyle that allowed me to be a little more self-aware and self-disciplined when it came to the people I surrounded myself with and the environment. I put myself in. Um, In addition to that, I started to focus more heavily on this concept of personal development. And I really thought to myself, man, if I start to focus more heavily on the habits I have, the routines that I have, the goals that I set, how I really live my life and invest into who I am, imagine where that could get me, you know, five, 10 years from now. And so um, with that, while I was in high school, um, I developed a weird hobby in my free time um, that I would love doing on like a Friday night or a Saturday night. So instead of you know going out to a party, I would sit back and uh, stay home and do something productive. Um, and I would start writing business plans my free time. 
Um, and it was a very odd thing, but I absolutely loved it. I loved envisioning and imagining um, a new kind of product or idea or solution for the world and developing a game plan of how to actually make it happen. The problem was I did not know how to execute. And for anyone that is trying to do something or has started something, execution is everything. And uh, that was the biggest issue for me. And so um, as time went on, I started to develop a passion for just giving back and serving people and building people. And so that's when I thought to myself, what would it really look like to mesh this entrepreneurial DNA that I've discovered within myself and mesh it with the nonprofit space. And one thing led to another and I started to have my attention drawn towards um, the stigma uh, that was so evident when it came to mental health, um, but also the bullying that was happening with my school system and the surrounding community. So these things really, really bugged me. And I really thought um, I could do something about it if we just, you know, go to the drawing board and develop uh, different strategic approaches for how we actually tackle these things. And so um, had this idea called Forever You where I would draw attention towards um, bullying prevention, but also create a more intentional conversation about mental health. And uh, that's all I really saw forever you becoming. And uh, the problem was I didn't know how to execute. And uh, unfortunately, on May 6, 2012, a student from a local high school had taken his life. And I was on my Facebook newsfeed and um, just saw all the conversation about what was going on and how people were feeling and how something had to be done. And I looked at this as my opportunity to introduce um, people to this idea I had called Forever You. And so as soon as I made that Facebook post, um, people were all over the idea of what we were trying to do. Uh, people were very supportive of it. And uh, I looked at that as a green light to really go after this thing. And so um, at first, I just used social media as a tool to deliver hope to the hurting. So for the longest time, I would just use Forever You um, as a tool to you know, introduce people to positive content, uh, videos, quotes, blogs that would really help them realize that they have worth, that they belong, that they have something worth fighting for, um, and that they're here for a reason. And so that's really all I really saw Forever You becoming. It was very simple. Um, and then shortly after that, I tried organizing a community gathering where I was hoping to bring all these people together to introduce them to uh, this mission that I had, this message that I had, and um, you know, hopefully delegate some responsibility and really turn this thing into a movement. Because at that time, I was like, I want to start a freaking movement. Uh, and um, you know, I, I changed my dialogue a little bit now with how I, I use that word. Um, but I really wanted to move people towards a certain kind of mindset and a certain kind of mentality with how we looked at each other. And so uh, that day, um, I remember it was like 3 p.m. expecting, you know, in my mind at 16, I'm expecting hundreds of people to show up to this thing. I got my own little vinyl banner made. I had wristbands, stickers, brochures. I was super hyped about this thing. And at, at about 3.15, um, no one was really there. And by 3.30, you know, it was just myself and a few of my best friends. And actually, um, you've been to my office before. Um, in the back of my office, I actually have a picture um, of that day. Um, and it's a constant reminder of the importance of starting from somewhere, you know, and uh, knowing that whatever you want to do, wherever you want to be, you just need to start. And the funniest part about that picture is that um, before I actually went to the venue where we were going to have this community gathering, my dad had his uh, video equipment and his uh, camera and all this stuff. And he's uh, putting it into the car. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm coming to the event to capture this moment. This is really exciting. And the 16 year old kid I was, but I was like, no, this is my thing. I don't want you there. Uh, this is me, 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 me. Okay. And so uh, he was like, well, whatever, so be it. And put his stuff back in the house. And I went to the event and 
I kid you not, later um, towards the end of the gathering or just more of the hangout with myself and a few of my best friends at about like 3.30, um, I'm de- disappointed. I'm devastated. No one showed. I had all this hype. Um, there, was, there was all this hype in this, well, from what it seemed, and a lot of people were excited about the work I was doing, but just didn't show. And all of a sudden, I look out in the distance and I see rustling in the bushes, and it's my dad with the camera. And I was already pissed off. And this took it to a whole new level because it documented this moment of uh, almost like failure. You know, like I was so down on myself. Um, But now I have that picture in my office and it's a really, really cool thing. So um, after that, you know, community gathering and and seeing that it didn't really go anywhere, I was contemplating um, just tossing this whole thing out. Um, but I decided to dream a little bigger. And so I tried turning forever you into an after school, uh, after school club, um, at my high school, which just never gained traction. Um, that was really unfortunate. So I decided decided to dream a little bigger and that's when, um, I developed the, um, I guess you could say willingness to start standing in front of people and talking um, and public speaking and sharing this message that I had. Cause I realized I had something really important that people needed to hear, but I had to get over my fear of speaking and start speaking in front of people, um, which I do now very often. And I think that's a great example of the importance of getting uncomfortable and really pushing those boundaries because there's so much inside of you, uh, inside of you that you don't realize until you actually go out there and do it. And that, you, and when you keep showing up and keep going after it, you're going to continue to unravel so many things about yourself that you didn't even realize were, were in existence. And so um, after uh, I developed that willingness to speak in front of people, that's when I made the decision to turn Forever You into a nonprofit organization. And so for the early years of Forever You, all it really consisted of was me traveling around and speaking to schools and organizing community initiatives along the way. Um, it was very fragmented when it came to our, our organizational structure of who we were and what we were doing. I probably changed our mission statement like 20 different times. Um, our logo probably changed 15 different times. Slogan. Like by 18, I remember sitting down with a mentor of mine and I had like, um, I had probably like, uh, I don't know, like 20 different programs, uh, you know, that I was trying to do. Um, and you know, it was crazy to see, you know, that kind of, um, dedication that I had and, uh, the willingness to go after those things, but to realize how just overworked it was, there was so much stuff going on. Um, but it was super awesome to see that, um, you know, something came out of it. So you just got to start trying things. And so what ended up happening shortly after that, um, was, uh, you know, I just kind of kept chasing these ideas and trying to, you know, see what stuck and what didn't. And uh, I went off to college in 2014. And uh, the first couple of years of school were absolutely challenging. Um, and, you know, because of the fact that uh, I didn't want to be there. Um, just move your mic over. Just move your mic over a little bit, bro, to like the one side of the, the right side or left side. I can barely see your face. Yeah, it's all oh right. god, yeah. I want to see your pretty face like over my face. It's all good. Can you, can you hear me? All right. Yep. Awesome sauce. Uh, cool. Um, but yeah, so like college was just like brutal those first couple of years because I was like, I do not want to be here. I don't want to be doing this thing. Um, but I decided to look at college as a four year runway to really develop myself and to develop the skill sets I need so that when I walked across that stage, got that diploma, I was off and running. And um, I think that's a great encouragement and 
you know, something I tell all young entrepreneurs that are like in college to look at college as a four year runway to really develop yourself. Um, because most of the time you just coast those four years and don't want to be there. But if you actually use it to your advantage, it can really, really get you far. So, um, during those years of college, like forever, you was still super fragmented. We didn't know what the heck we were. We were like this bullying prevention slash suicide prevention slash mental health advocacy organization. There was no structure whatsoever. And, um, you know, in, uh, about 2017, I made the decision to, um, rebuild the organization from scratch, um, and, uh, kind of reset everything. Um, I rebuilt everything. And so, um, I wanted to create a unique structure that would allow our organization to be scalable, allow us to multiply, allow us to really operate well. Um, Cause there's so many parts to running a nonprofit organization that I had to understand and realize. And so I really wanted to take a lot of the knowledge I was learning in the classroom and for these mentors I had and find a creative way to really do that. So I figured why not rebuild forever you. And so uh, fast forward to where we are today. And yeah, we're this youth development organization that empowers youth to overcome adversity through personal development programs. Um, we work with students who are dealing with bullying. We work with students who are dealing with a mental illness. We work with students who lost a parent to cancer that are dealing with homelessness, home life, academic performance, the list goes on. We basically give them the tools they need to really get out there and show the world what they're made of. Because every single one of us have an opportunity to make an amazing impact in the world and find meaning. We just need to kind of people in our circle to help us make, realize that and understand it. And so all of our programming is focused on helping students understand emotional intelligence, character development, personal achievement, how to work on your self-esteem, how to have social skills, like all these things that students don't learn in school. We identify students who are really, really struggling and help them realize the worth and the power within them. Um, you know, because anyone can realize this, but I think it's an amazing thing when people who, who feel like they're struggling, feel like they're weak, realize that they're stronger than they really know. Um, and so it's been an amazing ride to see where it's come. Uh, you know, and so we have these personal development retreats camps, after school programs. We have an uh, amazing program model that's really promising for our future and where we're heading. Um, and then the big news right now is that to tie all of this together, we're actually setting out to open our first uh, community empowerment center in Illinois, uh, which is going to be awesome. So we'll see where that goes. But uh, anyways, that, that's a little background on me and like how that led to Forever You and who Forever You is and all that good stuff. But if you want to learn more about Forever You, you can head to Forever You. Uh, you as an umbrella uh, movement.org and uh, you can learn more about our programs upcoming events volunteering with us all that good stuff so yeah there you have it dude that's awesome man thank you so much for sharing that story that's uh it's one of those things like back in the day like you know bullying bullying i'm just gonna stick to bullying really quick for this next yeah, for sure. seconds like bullying has always been around it's been around for eons you know what i'm saying but i feel like in the last 10 11 12 years it's really been a different situation and just kind of like the way people are thinking and, and um, giving off energy is a lot different today than it was, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So I think about 10, 11 years ago, it really started hitting home. And I think it's now taken to such a, a deeper level and deeper meaning that every kid, it just takes that in a different way. And I'm sure it stems from somewhere and or how intense the bullying actually is. Mm -hmm. When you say you had a around those times when you started getting started with this whole Forever You movement, um, you had some people that you know, took their lives in school. Did you know any of them? Or is that kind of like where the route you wanted to go was just suicide prevention? Or mm -hmm. um, what kind yeah. of like, where, what kind of stemmed from that? It was just one person in particular where you were like, damn, dude, that was, that was mm -hmm. my friend, man. I gotta, I gotta do something mm -hmm. now or just all in general. Like I just need yeah. to do something about it. 
Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's a one part of the story I actually forgot to tie in there. And I think that's the most important part was, you know, my why and where all of this triggered from. And yeah, I saw it happening, you know, the, the bullying as well as just the stigma around mental health. I saw it very evidently within my community, within my peer groups, within my uh, circles of friends. Um, but that's what really kind of made me think more deeply about it. Um, and it really allowed me that that really hit home for me, realizing how close these problems were to my, my own life and my own community. Um, but after that, you know, while that was going on, it caused me to really do some more research in depth of, um, what was actually going on out there. And so people know this very well, cause this is uh, very evident in my story. And um, you know, what I would do is I would go home like after school and print out these articles of these kids who had unfortunately taken their life. And I would analyze these things and figure out what went wrong. What could I have done? What would have been the solution had I been involved? And um, till this day, I keep these kids pictures with me. Um, you know, I, I, if people ask about it, like I have them in my bag um, because they are my fuel. They are my motivation. They are my why. Um, they push me each and every day to really keep chasing this thing. And so, you know, these stories of these kids and even beyond those articles that I would research, um, the stories of kids who are struggling really became that motivation for me. And so really what ended up happening was their stories became the fuel I needed to ensure that students who are struggling had the resilience to keep living. And so that has been like the foundation of a lot of who we are as an organization and what we do and how I continue to lead the organization. Um, but yeah, like seeing it within my own, you know, community, you know, was huge. Um, that was a big trigger for me as far as why I wanted to do something. But then these stories of these kids just rocked my world in such a uh, bad way, but also in a good way because they gave me a new sense of meaning. And till this day, like, uh, it's interesting, like at our, you know, for all of our programming, um, a way in which I construct our programs is to think about what those kids would have needed. Um, I literally have weird visualization exercises where and people find it so odd, but I'll literally sit in my office and close my eyes and pretend they're sitting at the, you know, at the conference table with me, you know, and thinking about what they would have needed, what they would have wanted. Um, and so it's really interesting to see that they're not here anymore, but they are still so part of who I am and why I do what I do, um, which is really, really amazing. So yeah, there you have it, man. Damn, man. That's, uh, that's one hell of a why. And uh, mm -hmm. pretty blown away by you, by you saying that and carrying around pictures like that. And you know, after meeting you a bunch of times and actually knowing who you are as a person now at such a young age, I, you are, you, you're definitely not your age. I can tell you that right now. You're way, <laughs> you're way, uh, way in advance of where, where you should be. And I think that's a great thing. And that's, what's going to drive you and build mm -hmm. your business to become bigger than a, the pyramid itself. But going to like <clears throat> figuring out like what um, kids need. I think that's a, that's a big, not just, you know, kids in general, like right now your main focus is kids because it's such a young age. Is that have something to do with um, do you have anyone that's older in their twenties and in their thirties, or do you just try to do students and kids that are in their teens into their mm -hmm. later years into their teens before they get out of high school? Yeah. Is it kind of a thing where you feel like you need to nip it in the butt while it's young because there is such, um, mm -hmm. stigma going around at a very young age now. And I do see like later down the line, if you don't nip it in the butt, I mean, you know, that happened to me too, where I had no, I had no one to talk to things like right. that. Did you do you want to mainly focus on the, on the young kids and the youth like that because you feel like it's so heavy in that community right now? Yeah, no, I, you know, our focus right now is seventh through 12th grade students. 
And um, obviously those are some of like the most difficult years for a lot of these students. And, you know, I, I personally love working with high schoolers because they're at that age where they're still developing and still growing, but they are also capable of actually grabbing a hold of a lot of the things that we teach. So when we talk about personal development, we, we help them develop a roadmap for who they want to be and how they want to live their life. So we talk about things like the power of mindfulness, the power of perspective, the power of habits and practices and all these things that really allow you to elevate your potential in this world. And so, you know, our hope is that if we can instill that in our students now, that hopefully by the time they do get into college or young adulthood or just in life in general, that maybe that'll be part of who they are. That'll be part of their identity is having this kind of mentality and this mindset of knowing that I am capable of great things. I just need to do what I can to stay focused, keep moving, keep growing and invest into myself wisely um, because you are your greatest asset and you need to invest into yourself well. But that being said, it's funny you bring that up because, um, you know, the, the way in which uh, our programs are working right now, we've actually been working on a new plan for young adults um, because we have so many students come through our organization and they stay involved with us during junior high and through high school and then they graduate and we have this unique alumni program called ULife. And ULife, it's very simple. It's an alumni engagement program that we have where we can keep these graduates plugged into our organization by providing them with unique volunteer opportunities in our organization to be who they needed when they were younger. Um, it's very simple because we realize like volunteering is such a powerful thing because we had actually had a, we had a camp counselor a couple years ago um, say that because she was given the opportunity to be a camp counselor. She realized that she needed to work on herself and to take responsibility for her life. And so she ended up becoming like nine months clean of self-injury because she realized the role that she had to play in the lives of these kids. And so that being said, we were like, wow, this volunteering thing should become part of our program model. Like maybe that is our program for young adults. But with ULife, you know, you got the volunteer uh, opportunities. We're adding a new component where like these uh, young adults can get access to like job and internship opportunities through our community partners, which will be awesome. But I literally just had a phone call with one of our uh, alumni yesterday um, who was having such a tough time because she's uh, seeing a therapist on campus, but there's such a massive waiting list. And whenever I hear about that and see those problems, like everyone in Forever You knows that I do this all the time. I am always asking for feedback. I'm always asking for your input on whatever problems you see because there's always room to evolve. And so she had mentioned, man, I just wish you know, I had access to the supportive peer group I had when I was in high school. Because as a student in Forever You, you get access to a mentor and a peer support group every week of the year. You know, and so it was a space where these students could communicate their struggles, their challenges, the good times, the bad times, and just do life together. And um, there was something so powerful behind that because, you know, when you really water it down and water down everything we do as an organization and just in general, and I think we need to make more loud in our world is that people need people. And so when you can focus on that, it really changes things. And so that's where I had explained to her, I'm like, well, is there a way that we could replicate this program model that we have for our high schoolers and maybe replicate it in a college campus to give you access to that? So maybe all these students who are or happen to be on this waiting list, they still have access to a supportive peer group where they can be real with each other, be transparent with each other and just have access to community. Because like I said, people need people. And so that's one of the ways that we're probably going to be branching out beyond just seventh through 12th grade students and like branching out into 
college life um, because that's also a very difficult time because even though you're going to go through our programs and we tell our students all this, this, this all the time, the problems aren't going to go away. Our hope is that ju we can just at least well equip you so that when those problems do arise and life does get out of control, you at least have some level of understanding of how to respond to it um, and how to navigate it. So, um, you know, and even beyond that too, like after young adult, you know, uh, this young adult program we got going on, you know, I think the best way that we can really engage people beyond those ages um, is by giving them the chance to be who they needed when they were younger. Because even though you might be going through something difficult, and maybe you do need counseling or therapy or whatever the case is, that's awesome. Oh, it's, you know what I mean? It's not awesome, but, you know, take advantage of that. But sometimes when you can just be of service to other people and be a mentor or give back, um, it can really, really uh, give you a new sense of meaning and a refreshed understanding of why you're here. So anyways, you know, like it's, it's awesome to be able to focus on the, these grade levels, but all, also have in the back of our mind ways that we, we can evolve and grow. Um, I think that's what makes our organization very unique is that we're always growing. We're always evolving. You know, we may be one way this year. We might be a totally different way next year. Some people hate it. I personally love it um, because it allows us to consistently stay with the trends and uh, do, we can, do, do what we can to reach as many uh, people as possible. Yeah, I think it's a great thing that you, um, when people work with you, um, youth or and the kids work with you, you actually have someone there for them at mm -hmm. all times when they need someone, when they need someone. I think that's a big thing too with kids growing up and or young adults and or adults in general, like there's such a stigma around, I need to talk to someone right now. I'm gonna, first of all, they have to get the courage together to actually talk to someone. Mm -hmm. Then yeah. they go to talk to somebody and the person's not available and or, you know, they get pushed off again, right? Get pushed right. off again. And now all of a sudden they feel defeated. And they're like, why the fuck did I even try in the first place? Mm -hmm. Now they go back to being quiet. And that's, exactly. that could be detrimental right there. Right. I feel like so many people, um, you know, young youth or, or, or old, it doesn't matter. They feel like they've been pushed off so yeah. many times. That's where they're in the, that they're in that position because of that scenario. And they're so scared to talk about it because, because, oh no, like someone's not going to like me if I bring this up or mm -hmm. someone's going to hate me if, if they find out that I'm going to um, a counselor or something like that. I yeah. just, I think that's amazing. I think you, you feel that having someone there and always evolving your, like always evolving the company and always, always evolving forever. You, I think that that has to happen. You can't oh, get yeah. stuck 100%. in the same tracks because in, nothing is stuck in the same tracks forever. You have to continually grow and continually have that, you know, that, that little growth every day, that 1% mm -hmm. growth that we, that we yearn for all the time. Do you yeah. feel like that's something that a huge part in the company is always having somebody there, A, and then B, always evolving? Like that mm -hmm. has to happen, right? Don't do you feel that way? Is that kind of why you have those things set in place? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, like without a doubt, you know, it, it, it's been amazing to see that our programming has really given students courage to seek help beyond forever you. You know, the number of our students who are now seeing a counselor, now seeing a therapist or um, whatever the case is, or at least just being more honest and more real. Like we had one student who had been in our program for probably three or four years, was very closed off to everybody, was not someone who communicated their emotions or did anything around those lines. And uh, at our camp over the summer, just broke. And it was the most beautiful thing to see because she realized she's worth it. She realized I have community. She realized that she had people that cared, that it's okay to have these struggles. It's okay to have, have these challenges. Um, it's, it's just important that we can do what we can to communicate that well and create a space or create atmospheres that encourage communication and encourage honesty and transparency about these kinds of things. Um, because if we don't, you know, it's, it's unfortunate to see what, you know, could 
happen, you know, if they're not given those opportunities. And so that's why, you know, we really, really push that. And, uh, you know, I think if we can ensure that every single one of our students involved with our programs has access to at least one young adult mentor or one young adult person or just one person, they don't even have to be a young adult that they can count on, that they can lean on, um, it really changes things. And I, I believe we all need those people. We all need someone that we can lean on when life gets out of control. Like at the end of our retreats that we have every fall, winter, and spring, by the end of it, students have developed a roadmap for where they want to be, have been assigned a mentor and a peer support, peer support group in their local area. Um, but then on top of that, they also have the chance to develop a safety plan for themselves. So when life does get crazy, who are those three people that you can count on, that you can call, that you can text? Um, you know, when you came past my office the other day, you know, I had mentioned to you that there was a student that was just going to come by and hang out in the lounge area and do her homework just because she was out of having a really tough time at home. And, uh, you know, we want to be that kind of organization where we can just have open doors and give students a space to belong. Um, and I think we all need that. And so our hope is that we can drill that into these students' heads. And then hopefully as they become adults, the, 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 the um, environments that they're in when they're working, they can become a little more positive because they're there and they know what kind of um, mindset it's going to take to liven that kind of place up when they become parents and have families knowing how to lead a household like all these things because again if we can be more aware of the importance of who we are and the part we get to play in the lives of others it changes things like you had mentioned at starbucks you know like if you go to like a specific place more than three to five times a week and you don't know that cashier's name or the barista's name or whatever the case is that's a problem because like you don't realize the importance of who we are in the lives of others and the opportunities we have in a 24 hour time frame to literally change someone's life forever. Um, you know, so it, it, it's all a mindset. And if we can just do what we can to be everyday planet shakers, it, it, it's going to make this world so much better off. And we need, we need to make that more evident each and every day in our just daily interactions with people. Dude, I love that so much. It's, it's one of those things like people need people, man. Like you said in the beginning of this podcast, and it's 100% the honest to God truth. It's like we, we're starting to push people off these days and we're starting mm -hmm. to become so involved in just ourselves and, and putting up these big, big, big walls, these big shields to people. Is that one of the things you guys try to do on the retreats is, is it like imperative to you guys that you have to like, we need to have a breakthrough with every single one of these kids no. or you just kind of let these things happen through... Yep your guys teachings and the education that you guys get and mm -hmm. some of the times I know I know your guy Tyler right Tyler yep. his name Tyler yeah. he had um he had a pretty wild breakthrough um with one of his kids um he like yelled back at him or something and he just like <laughs> let him go and then he came back out and kind of figured out his own life by himself yep. 20 minutes of being quiet and do you have many is that what you look for is that like part mm -hmm. of the process like do you feel like you have to drive through a breakthrough and you just you just have your curriculum, you have your education, you're just there and everyone's there. The counselors are all there for people until something like that does happen. And you feel when that does happen, second part of that question, mm -hmm. do you feel when that does happen, that that is their turning point where they're almost like, that was it. And I know where I'm going from here on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you know, when we begin all of our programs and especially the retreats, because that's the primary program that students first get enrolled into when they join our organization, um, you know, uh, we remind them at the beginning that growth is a process and don't expect to have, you know, even though there are students who have these massive breakthroughs during a retreat and it's awesome, it's fantastic. Don't expect that to happen, you know, because we've had students who like on the last night at a retreat, which is usually the most heavy 
um, because uh, in a good way, because students have the chance to um, basically proclaim before all these other students and volunteers, like, this is who I am, this is who I choose to be, and this is where I'm going next. And it's a very emotional thing for these kids because very rarely do they have the opportunity to do that kind of thing and be support, you know, surrounded by people who truly care and love them. Um, and so, you know, we, we tell students, don't worry so much about that because growth is such a process and it's not, you shouldn't expect to grow tremendously over a weekend. You know, what our program model does, it allows you to simply have a weekend retreat where you can reset yourself and understand the greatness within you. You're going to develop a roadmap for where you want to go. You're going to develop a safety plan. And then as soon as you get out of there, because they're high school students, um, and just youth in general, we make sure that they have access to a mentor and a peer support group to keep that momentum going. So everything that they absorbed at that retreat, they can keep it going after the retreat. Because too often with a lot of these conferences and these retreats and things like that that are out there, which always bug me is you go to these things and you have this like weird emotional high, you get hyped, you get excited, and then you go back home and home sucks. Or you go back to school and school sucks. And it's like, man, if there was a way to allow this program to feed into something more where they can continue to flourish, um, it could be a game changer. And so that's where like understanding the power of your environment. And it's like so many of these kids, you know, have tough households. And so if, you know, home sucks, you know, that is going to put a toll on the development that they have and the growth that they've um, been given the opportunity to experience. So it's like if they at least have access to one mentor or an adult that they can count on, that can cheer them on, that can say that they're simply proud of them. And uh, you know, supportive peer group that can keep them moving as well. It increases the likelihood of them actually being able to apply a lot of what they learn at these retreats. And so, you know, it, it's, you know, those breakthroughs we always hope for, but I tell our volunteers all the time, the most important thing you can do is just be, just be present, you know, listen, encourage, say you're proud of them, love on them, do whatever you need to do to ensure that these students feel loved, encouraged and valued uh, and supported, you know, and, let it, let that growth happen on its own. You know, it might take students four years to have, you know, some sort of breakthrough or some, or some, some sort of realization or understanding of who they are. It may take a student one weekend. It, it all depends on who you are. Everyone's different, but um, you know, it's definitely something we, we look for, but not something we um, strive for, you know, because again, everyone's on their own path. And if we can at least provide students with a space where they can feel loved, encouraged, valued, and supported and feel as though they simply belong, we've done our job, you know? So that's where, you know, we've, we've tried to just make that the priority of understanding that people need people. We can't change our students either. Um, you know, and we got to be okay with that because I think what a lot of what we're doing is planting seeds. Um, they may not apply anything we teach them for the next four years of high school, but they might when they're 23, they might when they're 29, they might when they're 42, who knows? Um, and that's something we got to keep in mind too. And even after retreats, like we've had students that do relapse, do go back into old habits or addictions and it's hard. It sucks. It's frustrating. But I tell our volunteers, you can't take that stuff personally because you are playing your part. You're making sure that they're loved, valued, encouraged, and supported. If you know life gets out of control and that happens to happen, it's okay. We just got to make sure that we're still by their side walking through this journey with them. Um, you know, and we've had students who do relapse and I go visit them in the inpatient facility. And it's just one of those reminders for them that they have people that care. Um, and even in the times that we stumble, we tell our students all the time, if you do stumble, if you do fall backwards, at least just keep moving forward um, and stumble forward if you need to. Um, because even though you're stumbling, you're still moving, you're still going somewhere. Um, you know, so 
anyways, but yeah, it's uh, stuff we strive for, but or things we we're always considering, but uh, not the primary focus of a lot of the programming. More so, just giving students a pathway or like an on ramp of how they can elevate their potential, and then just giving them the people and the tools they need to keep that momentum going um, beyond our programs and just in life in general. Man, I think that's great, and uh, I love the part that telling your telling the counselors and telling the people that work for you to, you know, you know, show love and show support and always be behind them all the time. And I think if a lot of people missed what was actually going on there, what I picked out from that, that I think was very important is the whole spirituality side that you're getting, getting used to using with all these kids, because you're getting, you're showing them things that they've probably have never seen before through, through yourself and the, and the education and the teaching and the counselors and everyone who's there, you're showing them what it could be if they just open up to it. Yep. I think that whole side of the, of the spiritual side of it is amazing because it's almost like instead of just opening up a book and reading about it or opening up a YouTube and watching for six minutes and being like, man, that's great. And then like you said, you go, you turn, you turn your back and you're still in your house. And you're like, well, that's mm-hmm. six minutes. That six minutes is fucking wasted because I'm still in the same place and right. through the spirituality that you guys are giving them. It's like you're opening them up to showing them what love can actually be and where mm-hmm. they can actually be. And actually they, you're showing purpose, which is mm-hmm kudos to you guys. Cause you're really showing them what mm-hmm. they need to do and what they need to be. Is that, was that kind of part, you kind of look into that? Like we really need to show them, you know, instead of focusing on, we need to break down the wall. We need to break down the wall. Just focus on you being there, you showing love, mm-hmm. compassion to each and every person. Do you feel that is a huge thing and we should more strive towards that with people showing mm-hmm. the spirituality side of loving, caring and sharing yeah. and being supportive as opposed to as a parent or a friend trying to be yeah. like, I'm going to break down the wall. I'm going to make them see that they're, they're being dumb the way they are. Right. Where are you at with the stand on that? And mm-hmm. from your personal experience with what you have going on with, um, with your biz, it's like, do you feel that is the best way to mm-hmm. kind of do not, not take a step back and let them keep running the course, but to show them, to show them the loving, the caring and the sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I believe that should be the structure for everyone, every company, every organization, every, uh, church, counseling group, agency for every person. Cause a lot of what we teach and we tell our students this and our volunteers, everything we teach is they're not just key concepts or, you know, uh, uh, tools that you can use. It, it's simply a lifestyle. It all comes together. And so we can, if we can live this lifestyle and we call this lifestyle living loud, um, you'll see it on a lot of our, you know, it's in our logo. So it says empowering youth to live louder. If we can just live loud and, um, in doing so kind of make sure that every person we do encounter feels loved, encouraged, valued, supported. Um, you know, it really is going to change things because it creates a ripple effect. Um, one thing leads to another. And so, you know, with that, you know, that's become the basis for everything that we do from what we teach to also how we train. Um, and I, you know, everything that I do integrate into the organization are things that I live into in my own life. Um, because if we can just make that a little more evident and really show students that, um, you know, I think it's going to increase the likelihood of them to keep pushing, to find meaning, to find purpose. And even when the world does punch them in the mouth, they know that they can get back up again. Um, they're going to choose to keep pushing. They're going to choose to keep moving. They're not going to allow themselves to fall back into these old habits or these bad uh, places. You know, we have to do what we can to understand the power of choice and to choose to keep pushing. And so, you know, I think if we can continue to be an organization that just, you know, instills these things in our students um, and gives them the realization that there's people that care and that there's people that believe in them, I think it's going to change the entire trajectory of where they go and where their future goes, you know? And so even like with parents and a lot of the stuff, 
you know, we're going to tapping into a lot more um, parental development kind of tools and practices because like I'm realizing more and more how much parents suck at parenting, you know, um, it's one of the biggest issues we've had is when these kids go back home and they've learned all these amazing things and they don't have the environment or the household that's going to help nurture the character and outlook that we're actually instilling in them. And so everything that we just taught goes out the window. So that's kind of the idea behind getting them connected to a mentor and peer support group, but it's still hard. You know, there's still times that students have a tough time because of their household. And so if we can get parents to be more on board with the same kind of mentality and this kind of lifestyle of meeting their child where they're at, um, regardless of what they've done or where they go, you know, like meeting them where they're at really changes things. And like, um, you know, for myself personally, a lot of the, the parental programming that we're creating is modeled based after my own parents. Um, people ask me all the time, um, or at least ask my parents all the time, like, what did you do to raise your kids? Because, you know, between starting forever, you and then my technology company, my brother's a software engineer, my sister's a school psychologist, like, we're very driven, we're very, I think, successful in what we do, but we're very um, focused. And we kind of exemplify compassion. I think the three of us really do that well, uh, myself, and my siblings, you know, and so for my parents, like I tell people, like, I, I never got grounded. Like my parents always, like, I never was like incredibly disciplined or anything like that. And people are always surprised by that. And I tell them my parents coached me. What they would do is when I messed up and I messed up many, many times badly, they would sit me down and say, I need your eyes. And it was the weirdest thing. I hate, hated making contact as anyone, eye contact as anyone does when they're in a tough situation like that. And they'd always say, look at me, I need your eyes. Let's walk through this thing together. They would ask me a series of questions that would help me reach some sort of answer or some sort of solution. They would walk me through it. They would show compassion. They would have empathy. They'd say, um, this is a horrible thing you've done. I think we can both be real like, about this, but there's a way that we can fix it. What can we do together to fix that? And like one of the things my mom would always say to me is, what can I do to help you? How often do you hear a parent ever say that? You know, like very rarely. I mean, there are parents out there that do that, but that's what really, I think, changed my entire, um, you know, mindset and really, you know, even though I didn't understand it then when I look back at it, how much of an impact that made on my own development was that I had parents that helped nurture a certain kind of character and outlook that allowed me to look at adversities as opportunities for growth. So they coached me, you know, and you know, I think that was really, really helpful. And so even with our volunteers, you know, we tell them to support the students, but don't be afraid to coach a kid, you know, like them, push them, challenge them, get them uncomfortable, get them thinking. You uh, shared the example of one of our camp counselors who really pushed one of these students because he, he was just, he's always been um, getting into trouble and he knows that what he's doing is wrong. And he's just, he's just weak when it comes to social, um, social, uh, you know, groups and trying to be cool and fit in and all these things. And um, one of our camp counselors really pushed him and there was a breakthrough with that. So sometimes we just need people who can coach us through compassion and empathy and lead us towards some sort of resolution. And if we can instill that in who we are as human beings, you know, that allows us to exemplify that and create the environments that we step into to be that much stronger, whether it's at work, whether it's in the household or wherever we go, we can make sure that people are capable of moving, growing and discovering something new about who they are and what they're capable of. Well, I think that, uh, that last, that last couple of sentences you just said pretty much sums up exactly who you are and where you've come from and where you are today as a young man, you definitely had, you definitely had the foundation from your parents to, mm -hmm. you know, they definitely talked to you in the way that parents should talk to kids instead of right. yelling, hitting, or tossing them in a bedroom and forgetting, forgetting about them. And, 
I'm sure that's how it is a lot of the times. And uh, I applaud your parents for, for raising you like that because that's definitely why you are the man, the young man who you are today. And that's just like an amazing thing, man. I think like, damn, that's, that's so heavy that you said that. And that's so mm -hmm. damn powerful, you know, applaud your parents. Do you, have you ever had to, after a retreat and, or have you ever had to make contact with a parent and something has mm -hmm. happened where you're like, Hey, listen, like you're not on the same level as, as this, as this kid is like, we need to, yeah. Like we need to talk. You need to talk to me. I need to email you or we need to get mm -hmm. face to face. Like we really need to talk because your kid's in a really bad place and has a lot to do with what you're doing. Yeah, no, definitely. It has happened. You know, I've had to make some very difficult phone calls. Um, and it's hard too, because I'm not a parent. And so that's always the defensive kind of response I get. Well, what do you know about parenting? You're not, I don't have kids, but I know what it's like to be the product of two amazing parents. You know, I know what, what, parents are capable of if they just kind of, you know, apply themselves a little bit. And so some of those conversations I've had, you know, have gone really, really well, you know, where we give them some input or guidance on what they can do. Like at the end of a retreat, uh, parents receive like this take home, you know, document that they can refer to that basically says, here are five ways that you can ensure that the growth your child has experienced at this retreat keeps growing at home. Very simple, like five call to actions. And as awesome as that is, many of them kind of just toss it out. So, you know, if we do know of a, you know, a student who's in a household that it's just not the greatest, like depending on what the level of um, intensity is, sometimes you have to get authorities involved because maybe it's that bad, or sometimes you just got to give them a little wake up call, you know, and um, there are parents who, again, are very receptive to it and very mature about it and say, you know what, you're right. I know that's been something I've been struggling with for a while now. And, um, you know, I appreciate you calling and I'll try and you know, get more intentional about doing that. And that's awesome. Unfortunately, there's also a lot of parents who get really defensive um, and say, you don't know what you're talking about. It's my child. Don't tell me how to parent. Um, and those are the parents that usually have a lot of inner uh, challenges that they're dealing with, um, maybe with their spouse or whatever the case is. And that's hard too. I've literally had parents pull their kids out of our programs because of phone calls like that, where it's like, hey, your, your child did awesome this weekend. Here are some things that, you know, were brought to my attention that kind of concerned me. And here are some, you know, words of encouragement I have for you as a parent and how you can help your student grow. And they don't like that. And I literally, yeah, I, I've had parents pull their kids from the programs because they don't like getting called out like that. I'm like, and that sucks. That breaks my heart because those kids really, really need this kind of programming. Um, but again, while, you know, with this new concept we have with, ensuring that every student that comes to these retreats has access to a mentor and has access to a peer support group. Hopefully that increases the likelihood a little bit to ensure that they can keep that growth happening at home. You know, it's a, it's a really, really, really tough thing, man. But yeah, those, those phone calls are never easy. Um, you know, you, you have to just kind of do it and stick through it and just speak from your heart and just be honest and transparent, you know, and usually they'll, uh, hopefully they'll understand, but, uh, a lot of them don't, unfortunately, which sucks. So, yeah, man, that's gotta be, that's gotta be super tough to even have that phone call. And oh, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure, you know, nine times, nine times out of 10, it's definitely a defensive mechanism. And oh, totally. And it's, know, like, it's, it's not from where it they grew up or what's happened in the household or, you know, looking at you at your young age, like, what do you know, dude? Exactly. That's nothing. But it's like, if your kid's there for a reason, like that's, that's crazy that, you know, the parent can't admit like why they're there. Like they're there yeah. for a reason. Like they need help. You should be on that side of trying to help your kid out, not get defensive over something because uh, because you or a counselor is talking to them about it. Like these mm -hmm. are the problems that came or these are the, this is the problem that arose this weekend. These are like five points out of probably 30 
yeah. that your kid has told me what is going on. Like we need to talk. Like that's a thing. And yeah. I'm sure it's a lot harder. You know, I'm sure those parents are probably, they don't want to admit the problem because it's like, they've been trying to fix the problem on their own through exactly. their trying to fix it with probably stems down the line, right? Like how their, mm-hmm. their parents probably fix it with them and right. they don't really know how to fix it. And here you are fixing the solution and they just, it's like ego almost. It's like they, A, don't know how to handle it, but B, it's like they don't want to admit that you know what you're doing. Right. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it sucks, you know, to, to experience that. And actually one of the new things we just added with our retreats is for every student that comes to the retreat, their parents are now required to go through about like a 30, 45 minute workshop at the end of the retreat before checkout. So it's basically in depth, here are the things your child learned, here are things we're expecting you to do. And we even added a new like parent code of conduct. So it's like, you know, having your child in this program is awesome, but here are some things you have to sign to um, before your child attends. And so those little measures, they're not drastic, but they're at least something where hopefully they get them thinking a little bit about it. Um, So we'll see, We're, we're gonna consistently be developing how we engage parents with a lot of our programming. Um, we've been trying to get creative with that. And um, especially when we open this community center too, I think that's going to help out tremendously because the idea behind that is to offer daily to weekly classes um, and workshops focused on um, things like parental development, things like youth development, things like, um, you know, uh, just understanding youth mental health in today's culture and how to be responsive to youth development. You know, like that's kind of the basis of what all the classes and programming are about. And the cool thing about it is like, our classes will probably serve anywhere from 20 to 25 people per track. You know, we might have multiple tracks of one class, but the great part behind it is that we'll actually have the, the equipment to actually record, edit, and produce these right out, right out of our facility. So we can now offer like online courses for people that aren't in our area um, focused on these kind of concepts. So our hope is that, you know, hopefully in doing that, maybe it'll create a little shift in their daily environment because we're doing an awesome job of impacting these kids' hearts and minds. We got to find a creative way to tackle these daily environments they find themselves in, you know, the school, the the classroom, the the, the household, the the clubs, the everything, you know, if we can find a way to be receptive to that and create environments that help build um, and nurture this kind of character and outlook we're instilling in these students, it could literally be like such a drastic game changer for like a community, like to see a shift in communal mindset of what, what could happen when we just are responsive and aware to youth. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's exciting stuff, man. Yeah, man, I want to switch, want to switch gears really quick here. And I had the um, wonderful opportunity today to walk through Ryan's space and, and uh, he has a small office that he shares with a couple other people on the first floor of a building. And then there's another side of the building that was an old bank at a time that is now under construction. The bank is no longer there. Um, Ryan gave me a really quick tour of, of where they want to be and how they're trying to get that. I'd like to switch gears, man. Tell us a little bit about that and tell the people what you're going for with this space, how big it is, and hopefully what you're trying to do. Let's try to bring some awareness to this and maybe, um, you know, maybe we can get some money for you, you know? So let's just yeah. be honest with what the hell you're doing, you know? For sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, I actually recently removed myself from a lot of program leadership. Um, and with that, you know, my attention is now focused more solely on community relationships and fundraising. And so uh, the reason that's happening is because uh, last February, um, I sat down with a board of directors and I said, I want to dream a little bigger about what it would look like to create a model for a community when it comes to Forever You. Because um, we have these camps, we have these retreats, we have these after school programs. Maybe there's a way that we can tie it together in one area to a community center. Um, so we would have offsite programming that would be happening during the year, but then also having um, programming happening daily in local communities, um, which is where the community center would come into play. So 
the the location we're looking at right now is New Lenox, Illinois, um, and this is where you know I have my own private office uh, located at this uh, location. And um, while I was actually going for a tour of the office spaces for myself, I happened to stumble across the other half of the the facility um, or the location, and uh, it was vacant and under construction. And so I, I talked to the owner about what they were planning on doing with it, and there haven't been any buyers yet or um, any people interested in doing, uh, you know, renting from them. And so that's where I kind of brought up this vision that we had for this community center. And so, uh, you know, the idea behind it, um, really stemmed from analyzing the current programming that we're doing. And as I mentioned before, we're an organization that is always evolving. I'm always looking for other problems that we can find solutions to. And our program model and everything that we're doing within it is so powerful and so good. And like we're, like I said, we're impacting the hearts and minds of kids and it's fantastic. So that's like two parts of this formula. And then like one of the missing components of this formula that would equal balance between evolving communities and youth mental health um, and youth development is their environments. Because if we can hit their heart, we can hit their mind and then hit their daily environments and construct them in such a way where maybe they can help nurture um, that character and outlook we're instilling those students, the outcome can be a balance between communities and youth mental wellness. Um, it would be a game changer. And so the idea is to create this unique model for a community that maybe in 10 years from now, we can establish in another community as well. And so through this uh, facility, it's called Forever You HQ. Um, it's our community empowerment center. Uh, we would offer uh, daily to weekly classes focused on uh, youth development, um, but also, you know, even beyond that. So like things about youth mental health, um, addiction, on um, just how to make sure that your child is starting on the right foot when the school year starts. Um, you know, the list goes on. There's such a wide variety of classes and programming that we can offer through here, um, you know, and it could be really, really amazing. And so right now with a lot of the community partnerships that we have, 90% of the programming that would actually take place in our community empowerment center would be operated by our community partners. So they would have the opportunity to lead classes and lead workshops. So, um, you know, I met with a uh, director of addiction services for a local behavioral health center just recently, you know, and he wants to lead workshops focused on addiction, you know, and to make people more aware of these things. Um, I think the big one is going to be these parental workshops and classes for parents to understand youth development, understand how to, um, you know, ensure that they create an environment that really helps build their child. Um, you know, there, there's not many specifics as far as what the classes will be focused on. Um, but, you know, when you kind of break it down, it's all going to be at the end of the day focused on youth development and really helping us get educated, equipped and uh, educated, equipped and empowered on how to be responsive to youth um, and do what we can to create households, to create classrooms, to create communities that really help build our students up and help them find purpose. And uh, so when we're not actually doing those classes or those workshops or things like that, it'll be more of like an open, uh, open workspace after school safe haven for students to work. Um, we'll have de-stress rooms. We'll have uh, some youth development programming for them. Um, but a lot of our programming geared at youth will take place in the offsite programs like those camps retreats and after school programs. So the community center, like I said, is intended to really educate, equip, and empower um, people to understand youth mental health, um, but then also to hopefully give uh, people within the community the tools they need to ensure that we can help create communities that really build these students up and help them find their place in the world because these kids are our future. So if we're not like being intentional about um, getting educated and how to nurture that and how to build these kids up so that they can really show this world what they're made of, 
you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see where the world goes. And so in addition to that, like all the classes and workshops will be available online too, um, you know, regarding online courses and things like that. So we'll be able to actually reach the masses. Um, but, you know, in addition to these educational classes, we'll have certification programs, training programs, all kinds of stuff. Um, it's going to be really amazing to see what happens um, through this community center. And so um, right now, you know, we're doing this capital campaign of about $200,000, but we ended up breaking it up into um, a few different phases. And so our, our mission right now is just to simply get the doors open for this community center. Um, so just to get the doors open, it'll be about $60,000. Um, and that allows us to at least get the door open, do some uh, build out, get the programming happening and get things rolling. Because as soon as people start seeing what we're doing, um, I think more people are going to jump on board and be part of what we're doing from a funding perspective, as well as from a partnership and involvement perspective. Um, because what we're going to be doing and, um, you know, with this space, it's going to be a very innovative community center that I don't think people have ever really seen before, um, especially with what we're trying to do, um, because there's going to be a lot to it that's going to be more advanced than I think um, most people are thinking. Because when you hear community center, you, you have your idea of what it's kind of like. Um, our hope is to kind of take that kind of model and tweak it a little bit, adjust it, make it our own, um, and do something really powerful that could lead to an absolute shift within a community. Um, bring people together, get people moving, get people equipped, get them educated, get them empowered, and send them out there to really create environments that could really nurture and build these students up. Um, and maintained it. So that's a little bit of a yeah, rant on Forever UHQ and what we're doing there, but our hope is to hope, have this thing open by August of 2020, if all goes as planned. And uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. And if there, there's anyone out there that wants to be part of what we're doing and help support what we're doing, um, you can either email me at ryan at foreveryoumovement.org. Or if you just want to make a donation to us, you can go to foreveryoumovement.org slash donate. And uh, there's stuff on there as well. And uh, like I said, any little bit helps. I'm not someone who, uh, uh, you know, likes asking for money, but you know, it's we're in a position now where we're doing really amazing work. And the more, um, you know, funding we can secure, the more impact that we're actually going to create with these students. And I'm not someone who focuses on numbers that much. I'm, I'm focused on like the depth of the impact that we're actually creating within students. I used to be someone that was so geared towards like how many students we spoke to each year. And what I realized about a lot of those numbers is there wasn't any depth, like how many of those kids, like when I was public speaking, actually were changed and impacted. Probably not that many. You know, I, I hope, you know, I would hope that every gymnasium I walked into and spoke to, you know, every kid was changed, but the real reality is not many, you know, so with the new program model we have, um, it sets us up to ensure that every student that walks through a Forever You program is going to be impacted in depth and hopefully have a life-changing experience that will absolutely change the trajectory of where they go, um, which will be a really amazing to see thing see a uh, really amazing thing to see happen. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So forever UHQ, it'll be an exciting project. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm on the other side of that coin, so I'll ask for you. So if you guys, if you guys want to donate, anything's going to work five, 10, 15, 20, hundred dollars, anything's going to work. Ask your, uh, ask your friends and family. It's a, obviously I just told you, I walked through the facility. I saw where the, uh, I saw where the HQ, um, will be going when he does, um, get the monies that he is asking for you guys. Obviously, this is the no bullshit podcast, and you know Ryan's doing great things. I don't have people on here that that aren't doing good things in the world today, and this is an exact reason why I have this podcast. Is the exact person I want on right now. If he's not going to ask you for money, I'm going to ask you for money. Please donate to this amazing, amazing this cause. He's actually making beautiful change um, with kids and the youth, and you heard it heard it from him first, and you're hearing it from me also. Let's not let this thing go by the wayside. 
there's so much out there that we can do to fix this problem and or help fix this problem. And this isn't a legit, a legit, and I've seen it. And I talk to Rai all the time. I know what he's been doing in the community um, through, through friends and loved ones who know him also. This is a real non-for-profit, guys, and he is no joke. This young man has been doing this for such a long time. So at the end of every podcast, I put my guests um, on the hot seat. And what I want you to do is – ready? All right. Get ready for it. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Okay. So what I want you to do is give three actionable items that students, kids, youth, anyone you want to do, three actionable items that people can walk away and use immediately when they stop listening to this podcast. Mm. Oh goodness. Three actionable things. Three actionable items, man. Um, so three things they can do after listening to this podcast. Oh man. Okay. Um, so number one, uh, oh my God, I'm so bad at this. Um, (laughs) number one would be go out there and, um, find one person within your workplace setting, um, and do one thing for them that makes them feel appreciated. It can be, um, you know, whether, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to elaborate. Um, <laughs> make uh, one person appreciated. Uh, number two would be um, call that one person that you know um, that you either need to forgive or seek forgiveness from and have a conversation. Be real um, because those things literally open doors for something really, really, really powerful. So um, we teach about forgiveness all the time. So I'd get out there and call that one person that you believe you need to have a conversation with and do it. You know, it's going to be uncomfortable, but the most, Growth comes from the most uncomfortable circumstances. And then number three would be, um, oh gosh, number three would be, ooh, ask that girl or ask that guy on a date. Do that. Yeah. Literally, I'm going through that, right? I'm single. And so like, I just listened to a podcast yesterday that was like, go out there and do it. Just ask, be direct, do it. Um, Because I haven't been in a relationship in quite a while, so. Weren't, weren't. Way to end it. Way to end it on a know, bad right? <laughs> That came out of nowhere, man. That's so random. And now, and now we're into Ryan's personal business. Yeah, I know. Whatever. It's That's fine. great, man. You guys, look this guy up. Ryan, why don't you end where people can find you on Facebook, Instagram, and whatever other platforms you are on. And, and at the very end, I want you to run that, run that buy again to see if anyone would like to donate. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to find me on Facebook, uh, just search Ryan Heslaw. Last name is spelled H-E-S-S-L-A-U. Um, on Instagram, also Ryan Heslaw. Uh, you, you, that's uh, all I'm really on right now. Um, and then as far as, yeah, getting plugged into Forever You um, and donating, you can go to foreveryoumovement.org slash donate. Um, and there's like an online donation form that you can go through there. Or you can send an email to ryan at foreveryoumovement.org and I'd love to set up a time to chat with you. Um, if there's anyone that you know that could be part of what we're doing from a financial perspective, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I'm very accessible. I love working with people. Um, so if there's anything I can do to be a resource to you, feel free to reach out. Um, if you want to find me on LinkedIn, um, you can just search again, Ryan Heslaw and you'll find me. Um, and you can learn more about the work I'm doing with Forever You. And then uh, I have a technology company called Above the Waves. And uh, you can find more information there. But uh, yeah, super grateful for this opportunity, man. And uh, really appreciate all the work that you're doing um, for these people and just the, the good um, the insight that you're bringing with these, to these people. Um, because we, we need that realization. We need that understanding that we are here for a reason, that there is greatness within us, that there is purpose pumping through our veins, and that we have to go out there and show this world what we're, uh, what we're made of, man. So just thank you for all you're doing. 
oh man, you're, you're more than welcome. There's no need to thank me for what I do. It's just one of those things that we got to put, we got to put it out there every single day. And at the end of the day, it's once, when, once we realize it's not about us and um, it's about everybody else, I think that's when the freedom actually starts to happen. Um, I want to say thank you to Ryan. You guys, please go, please donate, please hit him up. Please tell him um, how much this, this meant um, to you listening to this. And if you know someone that you can share this with, please do that. Like always, guys, we always ask, Go on iTunes, check, check it out, hit a five-star rating for this episode, take a screenshot of your favorite part, go ahead and share it on your story, tag myself, tag Ryan, we would love to give you some love back and share it back on our stories and personally give you a DM and say thank you so much for your time. And without you guys, we wouldn't be able to do what we do, and that's the honest to God truth, and you know that, I like to close out and say that every single time, but I do want to close out and have the final word with this. I was reading over what, 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 uh, what Ryan's business is actually all about, and the one sentence... I'm going to get a little emotional here. I apologize. The one sentence that stood out to me is no one walks alone. And I think that's the biggest thing that Ryan is pushing today is letting you know that for any age, someone is there for you and you do matter. Hmm. And that is the biggest thing that we need to get across to people in this day and age. What this young man has been doing with his business, he has been giving and giving and giving and hasn't asked for one damn thing back. And that, in my eyes, is 100% a fucking hero. Mm. And you guys, you would be missing out on an opportunity to get involved with this young man, shake his hand, go to one of his events, or even donate $5 to what he's doing because he's doing real, honest work. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Growth Podcast. Ryan, you are my true fucking hero, my friend. Thank you so much for giving me an hour of your time. And thank you, man. But let's make this happen again. And mm -hmm. good luck with everything that you're doing. And please keep putting yourself out there, okay? Yeah, for sure, man. We'll be sure to definitely do this again. Keep doing what you're doing. Everyone that's listening, uh, yeah, keep, keep tuning into this thing because uh, it, it makes the world a brighter place. So thank you for all you're doing, man. And uh, we'll be in touch. Till next time. Peace and love, guys.